0: You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing for canescounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. Make sure you subscribe to canescounty.com for free. Use the promo code MIAMI30 for the first 30 days. And also, of course, subscribe to this YouTube channel as well as as this podcast as well. Uh, it's on, on all platforms. And today I am joined by Mark Passwaters. He covers the Texas A&M Aggies, and he is the publisher for Aggie Yell. Thank you for joining me today,
0: Mark. Sure, Marcus. Thanks for having me
1: awesome and he's been covering the Aggies for over a decade and so he knows everything there is to know about A&M and of course Miami will play Texas A&M this Saturday at Hard Rock Stadium and first off before we get started with the game uh, I I watched the Johnny Manziel uh, documentary and I thought it was outstanding. I mean the fact that you know, he was just basically running amok, <laughs> not 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 just through uh, College Station, but through uh, the entire world. Basically, really gave me an uh, 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 an insight as to you know kind of what was going on with him and and just that era. But but you lived it, Mark. So you know,
0: kind of tell me about that era and and just your experience. Uh. Well, in terms of covering football, it was the most exciting two years you can imagine because I've never seen a player like Johnny Manziel. I probably will never see another player like Johnny Manziel. Uh, he was absolutely amazing. You talk about God given talent. Uh, you know, it's like the Lord just sat there and when he went through the line, just gave him all kinds of in- instinct, quickness, uh, speed you know, accuracy. And this is going to sound strange, but intelligence, you know, in spite of the fact that you sit there and you look at, you know, the, the dumb things that he did, not watching film, showing up late to practice, you know, this, that, and the other thing, he'd still go out there and just absolutely terrorize teams. And it was because he could naturally figure stuff out on the fly. And, uh, dumb people can't do that. (laughs) Yeah. He, he did things I've never seen before and will never see again. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it, I still remember being in line at a subway in, in my hometown of Pearland and getting a ding on my phone saying, Johnny Manziel has followed you on Facebook or sent you a friend request on Facebook. I'm like, why is the Oregon commit sending me, you know, a, a friend request? So I, so I add him and he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm about to decommit from Oregon. I'm going to flip to a I just want to let you know. And that started a, a relationship that, that has gone on for a long time. Uh, you know, we still talk every now and again, not as much as we did when he was, was in Aggieland, but yeah. uh, you know, just a remarkable story. I th- hope it has a happy ending. Uh, you know, he still has an awful lot of money to spend and it sure. seems like he's starting to get stuff straightened out. So I'm, I'm hopeful for him. I just wish that, uh, you know, you go back to 2012, a kicks a couple of field goals against Florida and LSU. They're in the national championship game. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was that close. And then 2013, he had another spectacular season. Uh, sh- absolutely showed guts. Uh, it, against Auburn, he was hurt badly. I mean, he separated his shoulder and... Uh, I remember him going under the stands before Kyle field was renovated. And I was back there too. And I could hear him just yelling, give me a shot, give me a shot. (laughs) And he went back in that game with a separated shoulder. He should have missed the rest of the year. He played the next Saturday and didn't miss a game. Uh, so there's a lot to Johnny that people don't realize. He wasn't just this maniac party animal. He would put his, his body on the line for his teammates too, and I think that kind of gets overlooked. But uh, you know, the it's kind of funny because the legend of Johnny Manziel has two parts: one where he absolutely crushed college football, and then there's a great divider because then all of a sudden <clears throat> he's the <clears throat> the party boy NFL flop, and uh, it's an it's an interesting story. But you know the the part that I really like is obviously the, the the college thing because he was absolutely a generational talent. And I don't know if we'll ever see one like him.
1: yeah, he was amazing to watch, you know, uh, from a person who just is a lover of college football. He, he was just an amazing talent to watch. And just to watch the documentary was just a real eye opener for me, just in different, different areas of, 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 General life, as far as mental health and you know, just dealing with adversity and money laundering, <laughs> and you know, all kinds of things. I mean, it, I, I, it, I highly recommend it. I know, Mark, you said you haven't seen it yet, and you probably don't have to. Uh, but I, I do recommend watching yeah. it uh, to anyone, um, who kind of wants to see a great story. And it doesn't seem like it's, it's pretty, it's done yet, you know, it's, 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 there's still. More to be told of his story. And yeah. so it could
0: be a part two. Um, yeah. And I, I think one of the funny things is that here you and I are sitting here talking and AM and Miami are two of the big NIL schools in existence. And you look at <laughs> I remember Johnny getting in all this, you know, all this hullabaloo about getting thirty thousand bucks for an autograph signing. That would be a Tuesday now. Right. You no know, like, well, one would care. Right. And exactly. you know, it's, it's just highly ironic how holier than thou the NCAA was back then. And now you go and you get crushed in a court case in front of the Supreme Court. And they're just like, whatever, we don't care. Right. And you know, that that's kind of where we are now. So, you know, it's part of the things that villainized him when he was at AM are now just absolutely commonplace. I'm sure that 30,000 bucks in in these two locker rooms is child's play.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely changed the landscape of, of NIL or or the perception of it. Um, uh, I can't imagine him in this era and just how much money he would make. It, it would be a a, a great number <laughs> to be had for Johnny Manziel. But onto this week's game, the Aggies, like I said, will travel to Miami to play the Hurricanes. These two teams were so similar. Or, and are st- so similar going into this season. Last season, both teams went five and seven, and it both offenses were pretty much anemic. Both teams struggled to stop the run. What do you think went wrong last
0: season for A&M? Uh, absolutely everything. Uh, <laughs> you know, r- Seriously, it was a disaster of a season. You take a look at... Anything that could go wrong, it did. They they lost a total of 40 players at one point to injuries, illness, or suspensions. Uh, they brought in this great 2022 class, and some of the guys that they recruited, and this is their fault as well as anybody's, uh, just were bad fits in the locker room. Those guys are, are gone. But, uh, you know, some of them... Didn't even make it to the, you know, they got kicked off the team, their second teams before the season even began. Uh, Chris Marshall was a receiver that played against Miami. Uh, he's gone from Ole Miss. I mean, it's got you, you got to work hard to get kicked off at Ole Miss. Uh, and Smoke Bowie uh, was a a corner. I think he played a little bit against Miami, and he went to Georgia, and he's gone. Uh, Ish Harris was a linebacker. He went to Houston. And he's gone. Uh, Denver Harris is on thin ice at LSU. Uh, You know, uh, Yule Keith Brown, who wasn't a a 2022 guy, but is a Miami guy. He got suspended twice, and he's gone. He went to Tulane. Uh, There was a there was a house cleaning in the locker room, yeah, uh, for sure. And there are other things that have changed. First, the most obvious is the offense has changed. Jimbo came to the realization that what he was doing wasn't working. He hired Bobby Petrino. And I think to the surprise of just about everybody, he's gone hands off and he's a CEO coach now. Uh, yeah. He was walking down the sidelines with a single piece of paper on Saturday. And you compare that to last year when it looked like he had the, uh, uh, the cheesecake factory menu you know, <laughs> page after page after page of stuff. Right. Um, and I think that's helped, you know, their, their, faster they're more cohesive offensively uh you know i think that they've also had that 2022 class mature uh these are now they're these are not wet behind the years freshmen anymore these are now experienced sophomores because they got thrown in the fire sure Uh, so you have that you have an established quarterback i think they're more comfortable with dj durkin who was a first year defensive coordinator last year uh i've The offensive line seems more comfortable. Steve Adazio, who was a first-year offensive line coach last year. Uh, You know, all the things that came together that were bad last year obviously contributed strongly to five and seven. Uh, Some of those things now are actually proving to be beneficial, I think. So it's real interesting to see the disaster that was 2022 now kind of almost bearing fruit in 2023.
1: Right. Uh, You you sound like you are speaking as if you're talking about Miami, just almost in in every aspect. Miami was bitten by the injury bug as well. Uh, Miami has brought in a new offensive coordinator in Shannon Dawson, just like Bobby Petrino. Miami had to clean house with a lot of players um, in that locker room and really kind of bring in some more crystal ball guys to, to um, infuse the, the new culture uh, that Miami is trying to build there. So very similar. Uh, but let's talk about the uh, offensive coordinator, Bobby Petrino, obviously is the sexy new hire over there in, in college station, only one game in, but um, I'm pretty sure you were there in fall camp. Um, what, what, what do you see? From Bobby Petrino and the difference in this offense. Uh,
0: well, you know, the first thing is that uh, Jimbo's not involved with it for the most part. Uh, <laughs> in fall camp, he was very removed, almost intentionally so, from the operations, uh, the day-to-day things with the, uh, the the player, with the offense, the quarterbacks especially. That That was his thing. He was very hands-on with the quarterbacks. And he's backed off and Petrino has that. Um, I think that, you know, the, some of the things that struck me were there's a lot less yelling. And pe- people remember Bobby Petrino as a guy who was purple in the face, screaming at refs, screaming at players, everything like that. I didn't hear the man's voice until I talked to him at a press conference. Uh, you know, he was not a screamer. He wasn't a yeller. And when Jimbo was there, you could he would throw out these very long in-depth play calls kind of like Joe Gibbs was still running the Redskins. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, that would be what the the play call for this one piece of practice. Petrino would be like, you know, he'd say two or three things and off Weigman would go or off Max Johnson would go and they would do their thing is, is very different. Um, in terms of schematically, it's very different. Uh, you know, AM came out and had a five-wide set the other day. We hadn't seen that in years. Uh, there's a lot more motion. Uh, but the thing that I think will be most interesting, and you saw it Saturday, was this is not a team that looks to achieve balance anymore. Like Jimbo wanted a very, you know, we were going to run, we're going to throw, you know, we're going to have balance. Bobby Petrino could care less about balance. He's exploiting matchups and my, uh, against New Mexico. They were a very aggressive defense. They sold out to stop the run. They would sneak their safeties up, you know, the seconds right before the snap. and was waiting for it. And they're just like, you're going to play man. We're going deep. And that's what they did. They went bombs away the whole game and just absolutely annihilated uh, the UNM secondary, which we would expect. But there was this one poor guy. That had five pass interference penalties called on it. And, and basically that that kind of sums up what Petrino wants to do. He knew this guy couldn't handle Evan Stewart or he couldn't handle Noah Thomas. And when that poor kid went out against him, they're like, okay, we're going at him. And they did it over and over and over. And New Mexico didn't adapt. So AM didn't have to change.
1: Yeah, that's what I saw for from the game as well. I, I it was very pass heavy, but Chris Ball came out this week and said that don't be fooled by that and 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 just kind of be weary of the running game as well, because that the Aggies have a really solid running game. But let's talk about this passing game. You got Connor White as the quarterback, won the job over Max Johnson. Only one game in, like, like I said, but
0: what have you seen from him as a signal caller? Uh, you know, it's real interesting because, you know, when you and I were, were, were talking earlier, it's like, what separated Connor Wigman from Max Johnson? The answer is not much, but maybe his feet. Uh Wiegman is a dual a dual threat quarterback in the truest sense. He can run, he's through the throws the ball well, uh, but it's that ability with his feet that I think separated him. From Johnson, and you saw it on the second play of the of the season. Uh, the first play, they ran the ball, didn't get much. He drops back. the The line kind of opens up a gap uh, because UNM is blitzing on the side on the sides. He just took off straight up the middle and uh, got seventeen yards, got a first down, and that was what really got things going. But you take a look at what Wiegman's body of work has been to this point. The big thing that stands out is 13 and zero. He's thrown 13 career touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, and last year he was playing in Jimbo's offense, which was antiquated. A lot of people knew what was coming. He succeeded anyway. And now with Petrino, I think that he's really found a comfort zone. It's maybe a you know a little more college-friendly offense than uh, uh, what Jimbo was running. And uh, obviously, the receivers that he has to throw to are really, really good. And Jake Johnson is an excellent tight end. He's Max's little brother. Uh, So, you know, they have some weapons to work with, and now they have a scheme that knows how to utilize those weapons. And I think that Wigman just is a really good fit, and I think that they could operate it well with Max, too. But there's just a few more things that that Wigman can do that uh, Johnson really can't
1: awesome. Uh, Let's talk about the playmakers on this offense. Uh, Of course, Anaya Smith returns from a ankle broken ankle injury from last season. So I wanted to ask about him and if he, you know, still has that same explosiveness and some of the other playmakers that are are at Weigman's disposal. Uh, Just kind of tell me a little bit about them.
0: Yeah, uh, starting with Anias. Uh, yeah, the explosiveness is there. Uh, he had a 44-yard punt return last weekend, and there was a lot of stop, stop and start, and juking guys and all that. He looked like he looked like Anias Smith, for lack of a better term. He also had a couple of nice catches in that game. Uh, Jimbo really called him out afterwards for being selfless. He said that he had an outstanding game and he was doing things without the ball. Uh, he was blocking, Uh, you know, he ran the right routes that helped free up other receivers, you know, just said he had a great game. You look at the stats, three catches for 40 yards. That's not much, but this wasn't, his, this, simply put, this wasn't his week. Uh Anias doesn't even start. And that's one thing that people don't realize is, you know, when people from the outside look at A and M's offense, they immediately say, "Okay, they've got a nice Smith." Well, yeah, they got a nice Smith. They also have Noah Thomas, which people are going to learn about if they don't already know. After last weekend, uh, they got Evan Stewart, who had eight catches for 115 yes. yards and two touchdowns. They have Moose Muhammad, who uh, had 600 yards last year and a great touchdown that's going to be seen for a long time against LSU all these guys are out there all of them get utilized and you know it's just going to depend week to week matchup to matchup who gets the ball and this past weekend uh it was thomas and it was evan stewart because those were the guys on the outside they were the ones running deep and new mexico just didn't have an answer for them so the weapons that a m thought they might have last year they do have this year and uh you know with wigman being more comfortable and in this scheme with Petrino, the potential is there for them to be very dangerous.
1: Should be very interesting to see how Miami defensive coordinator Lance Kidry schemes around uh, the offense and these playmakers. But let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball. And I'm ranked 122nd nationally in rushing defense last season. Uh, they only gave up one touchdown we did see it on on this highlight here it was a rushing touchdown uh do you think that they've solved their issues or do you think they're kind of on the right track to stop the run this weekend against a
0: miami team that has has shown that they can run the football uh if I'm miami i'm gonna i'm definitely sticking to the idea of running the football but you know the numbers for am and the running against the running game last weekend were very favorable uh, my uh, New Mexico came in and we they they also had a new uh, coordinator knew him from UAB, so we had an idea of what kind of scheme they were going to run. There's a lot of two tight ends run it straight up the middle, and with the exception of that 27 yard run, uh, they did nothing. Uh, they they totaled 32 carries for 91 yards, which is 2.8 yards a carry. You take away the 27 yard touchdown where a lot of people said there was two holes and it was 31. Yeah, carries I did for, see one. Yeah.
1: I did see 31 one for sure.
0: Yeah. 31 <laughs> carries for 60 something yards and right at two flat. And if you're going to hold somebody to two yards a carry, they're not, you're going to win. So the, yeah. the, the improvement was tangible. It was noticeable. And I think it, it comes down to a few things. One McKinley Jackson is healthy. Uh, when AM played Miami last year, he got into the game very late, didn't do much. Uh, then he missed a couple more games. He played the final seven and looked like an all American. He had 38 tackles at defensive tackle. And that that's, you know, in an AM scheme, that's a ton. And he also had seven tackles for loss. Uh, he's a, a tough guy to deal with and they got Walter Nolan sitting next to him. This is a guy that was the number two player in the class last year. He had seven tackles and two tackles for loss against New Mexico. And this guy's just a freak. He's 300 pounds. Uh, He ran down a a wide receiver from behind on a screen last weekend. And he can do just about anything, but they're deep. They've got a lot of guys who can get out there and play. They also have size at defensive end, uh, which is a big benefit against the run. So if they... They can cold up the edges, which they did a terrible job of last year. The tackles can get upfield. So that basically leaves the linebackers. And Edger and Cooper, who played in the Miami game last year, had the best game of his career last weekend. Looked really, really good. But a lot of that was dependent on a true freshman by the name of Torian York. This kid is out of Temple, Texas. And, I, you know, I'm sure a lot of people in, in Miami are thinking, oh, they got, they got a church there. Well, no, they have an army base, uh, a massive army base. But that's not the point. York is a little undersized guy, but he had 400 tackles in high school and was a three-time consecutive defensive MVP for his 6A conference. This kid can tackle. And A&M historically likes undersized middle linebackers because of a guy by the name of Dat Wynn. Who people may not remember yeah. now, but he's a legend here in Aggie Land. And uh, I remember, yeah, Dat yeah. tackled everybody. And yeah. uh, in yesterday's press conference, Jimbo said that a lot of the success against the run had to do with York because he got the calls in faster than the veterans did last year, and that gave them the extra two or three seconds for the players to concentrate. Uh, you know, really get their assignments down, and you know, it, it was a it was a very stark difference from what we saw last year uh, because the linebackers had fit the right gaps. They didn't run themselves out of plays. Uh, the defensive linemen did what they were supposed to do. The discipline was much better is what I'm trying to say. And uh, I think that will really help them. Obviously, Parrish is a, a totally different animal from what UNM had. But I think that AM fixed a lot of what was broken by having experience just having better talent and guys having a clue what they're supposed to do
1: again you you sound like you're talking about miami a lot um you know these teams are are just so identical in so many different ways and even with the recruiting classes and we kind of touched on that um you know before the show as well last year a m had the 14th ranked class and uh, Miami had the eighth ranked class and a lot of the freshmen played last year. A ton of freshmen are, are playing this year as well. But from last year's class um, and this year's class, uh, Mark, uh, wh- what are some of these young guys that you expect to make an impact here in the 2023 season?
0: Uh, well, the, we've already mentioned York. And, you know, for a true freshman to start at middle linebacker, you would normally think, that, uh, you know, you've got problems, that you've got injuries. Now, this kid just came in and in flat took the job. And I I was wow. a big fan of his, but I was not expecting this. Not this year. Uh, he's just done a fantastic job. Uh, but outside of that, the other one that immediately stands out is AM's right tackle, Chase Besantis. Uh, he is a true freshman. He's a New Jersey kid. <clears throat> and he came in a, in the spring and just blew everyone away with how good he was. Uh, he came in, and he was a backup the first week of spring ball. He uh, he moved right into the starting lineup in week two and has stayed there. A lot of people thought that was because Ruben Fothery, uh, who has been the, the starting right tackle for the last two years, was banged up. Uh, Trey Zune, who was the starting left tackle, was banged up in the spring too. So Fathery moved over to the left side for the spring, but then he got banged up again late in spring. Basantis stayed at left or right tackle. Zune came back. Fathery, he was a two time, you know, two straight years. Didn't miss a start. It was a freshman, all sec in 2021. Doesn't have a job right now. Yeah. This kid has been that good. He's, he bumped who we thought was the best tackle on the team. So, uh, He's going to be a guy that, to watch. Uh, 71 is Basant. Ruben Owens it was the number one running back in, in yeah. the country, according to rivals. He's going to play a lot. They The, the Aggies have a, a three-back uh, rotation. And by three backs, I mean literally Amari Daniels could play first down, Le'Veon Moss could play second down, Ruben Owens could play third down. They were, they were rotating that quickly against uh, New Mexico uh owens is a guy who has tremendous ex- explosiveness ran for a bajillion yards at el campo which is a, a, a small texas town uh it struggled a little bit against new mexico i think that he was just kind of getting used to the big time okay but this is a guy that we'll definitely see out there uh Javon thomas is a freshman corner who really impressed people with his play he was in the rotation. Uh, this past weekend didn't start, but he did play Uh, outside of that. Maybe DJ Hicks, who was the number three player in the country last year. Uh, He played a little bit in that rotation at defensive tackle. They're just so deep at defensive tackle. He and Gabe Dindy, who is another super talent. Those guys are third stringers. Uh, And, you know, there's going to be a time when those guys are not third stringers, but it, it, you know, it's evidence of what kind of depth they've accumulated on the defensive front. So those are the guys that that kind of really stand out when you think about it. There's there's an awful lot of talent there in that class, even though it was kind of small. Uh, some of those guys we won't see for a while, but those fellows there that I mentioned, you will see, and they'll play big roles come Saturday.
1: Yeah, Lindy was an outstanding talent coming out of Florida uh, at Lakeland, and and DJ Hicks was uh, a prospect that Miami tried to recruit for, you know, all the way up until the very end. And Ruben Owens, we all know about what he can do, and he is paired with one of those Miami guys in Amari Daniels. Well, Amari Daniels is a player that won state championships uh, down here with Miami Central, just an outstanding ta- talent. Uh, watched him for many years uh, throughout his high school career. And he also got a Shamar Stewart as well, also a Miami Miami kid, um, five-star, who Miami and A M were you were know, the, the only two hats on the table for him when he decided uh, to pick the Aggies. Uh, what have you seen from those two guys in particular?
0: Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I have been on the Amari Daniels bandwagon now for a year plus. I thought he was the best backup to Devon A. Chain, who you guys will enjoy greatly uh, <laughs> with the Dolphins. He is yes. awesome. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they, they kept on trying other guys, Moss especially. But uh, Daniels was the best of the backs on Saturday. He's seven carries, 51 yards. He had a long, of 27. He just, he's one of those guys that has that instinctiveness, kind of like a did, did, uh, where uh, you see a hole, he's gone. He, he hits it with authority. He's hes not the biggest guy, you know, 5'8", 200, but he's got that speed. Uh, he's elusive in the open field, but I just like his decisiveness. Uh, you know, he really gets it up, gets up the field quickly. And, uh, you know, I guess for lack of lack of a better phrase he's rb1 but it doesn't matter because right you know it's it's going to be him moss and and owens uh shamar stewart is not a starter but he's in the rotation and he plays a big role and he actually came in and talked to the media yesterday and he was he was fantastic (laughs) i mean he had us rolling uh he's very intelligent but also very funny And, you know, he said a a few telling things Um, when he was talking to us. You know, one of the things that he said was, my parents wanted to get me out of Miami. And he didn't mean that as an insult. He meant that as they wanted him to get to a place where he could really concentrate and do what he needed to do as a student athlete. Sure. They felt like that would be easier to do in College Station. And somebody kind of followed it up. It's like, well, why did they think that? And he went, it is Miami. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, no kidding. Uh, I mean, you know, College Station has a nice little party scene, but it's not Miami. I mean, come on. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, he mentioned that his parents definitely wanted to, him to get away. Um, you know, he said that uh, he, he really had us laughing when he said when he picked A&M, he's like, the whole town hated me. But, uh, you know, some of them have come around and now oh, I'm you know, now I have about 20 people there at the game. Uh, But he also said, you know, somebody said, do, do you know a lot of guys on the team? It's like, yeah, but we're not going to be friends on Saturday. <laughs> he said, they're looking for revenge, but they're not going to get it. They, they That may come some other time, but it's not going to be Saturday. So he kind of called his shot. But, yeah. uh, you know, you know this as well as anybody. We're talking about the number seven player in the country, a five-star. He He's got tremendous ability he's 285 pounds now but you know you see him just wearing a t-shirt and shorts yesterday he is absolutely ripped he doesn't have an ounce of body fat on him uh you know just a tremendous physical specimen and i think things are starting to slow down for him you know he's kind of getting that feel for what he needs to do and he really kind of started showing that uh this past weekend he ran down a reverse he ended oh, wow. up getting busted for a, a a face mask on it. But this was a inside the five, and he ran down a wide out from behind. It was really, really impressive. And, uh, you know, with the guys that he's playing with, he he's not expected to be the dominant player. He's not – people aren't pointing to him to saying, you're the superstar, you have to perform. You know, they've, they've got a great rotation at defensive end, and I think that – you know, as time goes on and he continues to get more comfortable, he's going to, he's going to live up to that five-star billing. It's just, it's just really a matter of time.
1: Sure. Sure. Uh saw outstanding things from him as a high school player here locally at Miami Pace high school. Uh, So excited to see him back in Miami as well as Amari Daniels, uh, you know, plenty of Miami guys on the Miami team itself. So, I'm sure that'll there'll be a lot of jawing back and forth during the game. Excited to see what will happen on Saturday last year. I was actually in college station. It's it's and I, I will tell you, Mark, it, it was the most amazing experience I've ever had at a college football game. Um, from the pageantry of everything beforehand, uh, with the parade and the military. It was just it was just uh, just an amazing experience, and then going into the game, massive stadium, being on the field, and just feeling the stadium rock in the press box was scary, <laughs> but an unforgettable uh, moment for me. Um, I think hard rock will be rocking. I'm not sure if it'll be to that extent, uh, but should be. A great environment down, down there in Miami. Last year, the, the game ended up a 17-9 to 9 game where the Aggies held the Hurricanes out of the end zone for the entire contest. This is a seven-point uh, spread uh, to, to the Aggies. I, I've
0: seen it as low as five. How do you think this game turns out? You know, it's a, it's a good question. Like you said, there's a, a lot of similarities uh, between the two teams. But really, I think this comes down to who's got the most weapons. And I think that AM does. Uh, and I, I think that some of them haven't even been unleashed yet because of just the way last weekend worked. Uh, Wigman has proven himself to be a very good, very good, very serviceable quarterback. And he's. Played on the road. He's already gotten his uh, feet wet with that at uh, South Carolina and at, uh, at Auburn. So it's not like he's going to be going into a, a foreign environment by going on the road. And, uh, you know, I think the ability of AM to, uh, move the ball a little bit better. And I think slow down the running game, not stop it, but slow it down probably gives the Aggies a bit of an edge. And, uh, uh, you take a look at the the rosters uh i think mario has done a great job of improving the talent levels already Certainly. you know getting that number eight class does not suck and he's done a very good job getting transfers but the talent overall i think still leans a m's way so you know being the homer i'm i'm gonna i'm not obligated to take them but i'm going to okay you got score 34 24 a.m
1: 34 24 okay so they make the spread uh score 34 points let's see how it all turns out i'm i'm actually not sure i mean if i if i were to just kind of guess the score i think it's going to be a little bit closer uh than that um you know i'd probably mean maybe 27 24
0: I can easily see
1: something like that. Yeah. Um, And as a homer as well, I I would say in favor of the Hurricanes, just with the home advantage, maybe they get some turnovers and pull off the upset. That's Mark Passwaters. He is the publisher for Aggie Yell. You see his Twitter handle there. Make sure you, you follow him as well as subscribe to uh, rivals.com we're part of the rivals network thank you so much uh, for joining me today great stuff no problem marcus i enjoyed it thank you for having me absolutely once again make sure you subscribe to canescounty.com for free use the promo code miami30 and also subscribe to this youtube channel live from canes county And also subscribe to the podcast, which is available on all platforms. Until the next episode of the Storm Tracker podcast.